Hey, what's going on? I'm Jeremy Lee, and you are listening to episode 19 of Reading the Play, the show where athletes share their story and experiences about life and sports. Additionally, we'll break down some key decisions they made so that you can get a better understanding of their journey and where they are today. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast so that you can hear other great stories by athletes, and you can also find them on sportcalgary.ca. And for more content, follow the Facebook page Reading the Play, and to get the latest news, including new episodes on the way, follow on Instagram at Reading the Play or myself at Legacy. In this episode, we get to sit down with Zoe Hickel of the U.S. Women's National Hockey Team. The Anchorage, Alaska native was born ready for the outdoors, and there wasn't a mountain too high or a fish too big that stood in the way of Zoe and her younger sister Tori. Soon enough, hockey became the focal point for Zoe, and she embarked on a journey to represent her country on the international stage. But little did she know that the biggest impact she would have as an ambassador for the sport of hockey would come in the form of playing for the Kunlun Red Star, a Chinese team in the CWHL. This was definitely my favorite part of the conversation, listening to Zoe describe the cultivation of this great game from the grassroots level. Plus we get to some other stuff too, like how she adopted her dog from China, and also her favorite competitive moment with Tori. Well, it looks like Zoe's all warmed up on the hot seat. Let's get it. Beautiful day here on Story Island as the sun is shining, the sky is a bright blue, and we have a special guest here paying a visit, Zoe Hickel. First appearance here on Story Island. Great to have you here. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And Zoe, you're here to share some adventures in hockey. Um, Before we get into that, you've been a part of interviews um, on both ends. Which part of the mic do you like to be on? Um, I learned a lot about that, uh, in college when I was in my communications degree, but, um, definitely have an appreciation for what kind of questions you come up with and never really thought of the other side of it until I did it myself. But yeah, I give a lot of credit to you guys. Yeah. I've seen some, uh, clips of bark in the bite. uh, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's challenging, right? Yeah, for sure. So growing up in Alaska, what was your normal? in terms of activities and just how your your upbringing was? Um, outdoorsy, I'd say, is a good word to cover a lot of what my sister and I grew up doing, um, playing any type of sports. We grew up ski racing and playing hockey, so uh, it was about, we did that until I was about 14, kind of had to choose which direction I wanted to go in. But no, like everything outdoors that we could do, we, were, we loved it. And um, Alaska has so much of that to offer. And I think that's why I liked Calgary so much too, because of the fishing, the hiking, um, the outdoorsy feel that the town carries and um, this type of atmosphere. So yeah, it feels a little bit of home here. We've been talking a lot about this, Zoe, about fishing and a well-known joke in Alaska. The odds are good, but the goods are odd. Mm-hmm. Have you heard that before? Um, that's, I agree with that statement. <laughs> what is that in reference to? Um, talking about fishing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it could, I guess you could reference that to a lot of things, but when it comes to hunting and fishing, it's like, yeah, there's animals you can go after and fishing go after, but you still have to know what you're doing to be able to get it. They call it fishing for a reason, right? Yeah. Not catching. <laughs> so you've been getting more into fly fishing though, hey? Yeah. Last, yeah. last couple of years. What's the appeal? It's really fun is sport fishing. You know, it's, it's more of a sport. You looking for trout and, uh, when we go for salmon runs, it's usually, a, it's usually a meat run, right? When we go dip netting and, um, fishing for salmon in the summer, but, um, fly fishing is just something you can get outside and do. And there's, a definitely some, uh, technical and tactical ways to go about it. And it's really satisfying when you can get, you know, figure out what flies to use or that kind of thing. It's just, uh, there's a little bit more to it when it comes to the strategy and it's really fun. We were talking one other time before, um, and I had asked you and Tori was in the room too, but I can't remember who answered me. And I was asking about where are the best places to fish in uh, around your area even in Anchorage. And I can't remember which one of you said to me, 
it's actually a you, you keep that tight-lipped oh yeah yeah i'm not gonna be uh sharing anything this is the kenai river and um <laughs> that's yeah good luck with that uh-huh. <laughs> but my question to you is from a sports perspective let's say you were a general manager what would you listen to in terms of a trade of information if someone had a, another good spot or they were willing to offer up some good equipment to you would you trade that for good fishing spots yeah i mean i guess it it depends it's when you meet people or if it's more of like a respect thing for the area i think local mm. alaskans get like a little bit fussy about tourists coming to the area and understandable you know, uh yeah. digging up air you know holes and like small fishing like creeks and stuff that you want clean water going through and just a respect for the land and the and the people i think that's the only that's thing the that really thing, gets hey? in the way yeah because yeah. um, a lot of it you have a lot of times you go through people's you know you're close to people's land and it's you don't want a lot of foot traffic through different areas but um yeah i think there's there's always potential for something. Yeah. The people in Calgary have been more than generous and it's been uh, a pretty special, a different perspective coming here and seeing how um, friendly people are about sharing their spots and stuff. I'm like, man, you would never see this at home. (laughs) What's been your fishing experience like here in Calgary? Did you go to the boat? Been on the boat a few times. Yeah. Um, I haven't gone as much as I'd like to, but it's been winter since we've been here and um, yeah, looking forward to the summertime for sure. But you were just talking about how skiing and hockey were your two main focuses up to age 14 there. And how did you decide that hockey was the path you wanted to go down? Because there's also a, a pretty good shot at, um, you know, competitive skiing as well that you could progress further. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think uh, a big part of it was just the individual sport versus a team sport. Hockey was just a sport I fell in love with. And both of my parents uh, ski raced. They went to college at UAA and uh, or university, as you guys would call it. And uh, yeah, and they ski raced there, ended up staying. They were both from out of state. And then I grew up ski racing and um, and playing hockey, doing a few different things. But those were the two sports that Um, my sister and I like mainly did and they're both winter sports, but, um, I just fell in love with hockey, the team aspect, all my friends that did it. So I went in that direction. Did you play girls hockey as well in, uh, in Anchorage or was it more with the boys? Um, it was, there was less opportunity then as there is now. So I mainly was with boys teams, um, up until I got to, was it like midget level? And then I played both until I went to Naha. And from there, yeah, I went out to North American Hockey Academy. But up until my sophomore year, I mainly played boys. And I always played with the girls too as like a dual roster. Um, Thought it was important to play both. Uh, Very different style of games, especially in those growing years. So how did you feel playing multiple sports, competing in different events helped you in your development uh, as an athlete? growing up? Oh, I think it's huge. I think it's the biggest thing that any young athlete can do. And, um, besides skiing and hockey, we obviously did a lot of other stuff too, but, um, yeah, I think it's important. It's huge track and field, golf, soccer, hockey, (laughs) whatever it is. Um, it can be a lot for young kids, but I think the recreation part of it and, uh, just learning how to be an athlete from a young age and, um, you see a lot of kids going to camps all summer and doing that kind of thing for, and hockey can be a very demanding sport and, um, you know, it's a skilled sport too. So a lot of times people do a lot very young and, uh, I, I love to see other kids doing sports and competing in other things because not only mentally, but physically you become such a well-rounded athlete. And as you get older, you, you can bring those tools to kind of narrow in on some things. Was Tori with you competing and participating in all these different uh, sporting events? Yeah, a lot of them. We uh, <laughs> did some funny stuff. There's like, a, there's a lot of running races, mountain races in Alaska too. So we were always involved with stuff like that. Um, flag football was another fun one in high school, but yeah, we both, uh, we've both had like a healthy compete level with each other and, um, helping each other get better at the end of the day, which is pretty cool. So what's your favorite 
story about Tori that maybe exemplifies your guys' competitiveness with each other. <laughs> the one that we laugh about all the time is I, I'm obviously a, just under two years older than her. We're very close in age and, and close personally, but um, <laughs> she's a really good runner. Like she's, when it comes to longer distance stuff, like she can fly and she's quick too. Well, the one time it was, uh, it was about that age when she started like catching up to me on some things and beating me. And I was just like, why? Well, I was just getting, and one time she passed me going up a hill on a 5k. It was this like hilly 5k. Oh my gosh. It was hilarious. And she just floated up right next to me. And I got so mad. I reached over and I yanked her ponytail down <laughs> and she started like crying. Oh my God. It was so like, we laugh about it now, but I, that's how mad I was. I'm like, I can't believe she's beating me right now. <laughs> Zoe fights dirty, everyone. <laughs> and then at the end of the day, we realize that it's just like better for both of us. We have strengths in different areas and it's how we, it's how we get along. It's how we've um, pushed each other in, in a very healthy way. So it's been fun, <laughs> but that was a pivotal moment. <laughs> <laughs> for us <laughs> yep it wasn't just big sister all, all the time yeah it was awesome in a foot race right now <laughs> right now what distance do you feel comfortable beating her at Ooh, it would be short very short <laughs> like a 40 40 yard dash yeah I'd, I'd say a 40 yard dash maybe up to a 200 anything past that she's got me <laughs> she's all about she's all about that endurance hey yeah, she's flighty for sure. So you actually decided to go to Naha, North American Hockey Academy out in Stowe, Vermont mm -hmm. for, I guess, prep school, high school, yeah. if you will. Uh, yeah. Why did you decide to go all the way across really the continent? That's a far yeah, it was. Um, I was. It was my sophomore year in high school, and I decided to go out there because of the opportunity that I would get and the exposure I would get playing for a team like that um, that I wouldn't have playing from Alaska. And um, there's certain camps and stuff you would get invited to being from Alaska, like for our national program. Um, we call them national camps growing up. And uh, But other than that, I really didn't have much exposure playing with like a boys team or maybe some tournaments I would travel with the girls. Uh, so I, I made the choice to, to do that. And, um, just for, for college and, and different national team reasons. But you didn't look at anything closer, like in Minnesota? I did. I, I was looking at Shattuck too. So yeah. it was between okay. those two places. And, uh, the biggest difference for me was our relationship that we had with Bill Driscoll and Jesse and, um, and also that being gone for five months out of the year versus a full season of school and not being able to come back to Alaska until like June um, was a difference maker for sure. So being that young and and leaving um, and leaving at that age, it made a difference to only be gone for the hockey season versus the entire school year. What do those conversations look like with your parents? <laughs> oh, they're they're supportive. Yeah. And um, yeah, we we definitely had some help, so it, it worked out really well and. Yeah, it was awesome. It was, uh, the three years were quite eventful, but really great learning experiences and, um, being gone at, at such a young age, I think you learn a lot really quick and you grow up pretty fast. Well, now it's probably the highest level of hockey that you've played up to, up until that point, right? Yeah, it was, it, we had an unbelievable team. I think we, yeah, we, we played a lot of hockey too, a lot. I think my senior year, we were like, 85 6 and 6 or something our record that was it was a lot of games we had a lot of games and we had a very very good team so it was uh it was a really fun group to be a part of and they're friends that that I'll have forever and of a special connection that you have when you go around and and we were from all over the place too so um they're girls that when you're in the area that you have uh that you know that other people are around it's fun to connect and your transition was pretty smooth it, it was I mean I was there for three years so my sophomore year was definitely a transition especially coming to playing from boys like I learned a lot about um, that next level with the women's game and with um, and making that transition to be able to you know take the physicality from the boys team but still try to be as possessive and dominant as you can like with the women's game without being rash about penalties and 
and uh, and that kind of thing. So there's definitely learning experience there. I've heard that the transition from boys back to girls hockey is that you have more time with the puck, and you, you don't you don't have to worry about getting hit all the time. Yeah, um, you don't. But it's it's physical, and and the higher the level it is with the women's game, like there's still it's it's a lot tighter. It depends on what level you're playing. Obviously, if at home with like playing boys and then playing on the girls team there, it was two different worlds, but even playing at Naha and with the national team in college, it's like that tight, that gap keeps getting tighter. And, um, yeah, it's important to know your time and space and, but that's something that you can learn from the boys game for sure. As long as you keep your poise, you know, it's, yeah, it's really important. So it's around that time that you also entered the national program as well. Or yeah, I played on the U18 team my senior year. Did you have to do any tryouts or camps um, to, to make that team? Yeah, so like it's a little bit different in Canada, but in the U.S. we have our our selects program, which is um, back when I did it, it's a little bit different now. They have like top 66 and or... Uh, yeah, they, they might, it might be a little different now, but the district, so you make your state selections, then you go to regionals. And then if you make that, you go to the national team, uh, or the national, uh, national camp, which has like everyone from that age. And they would have it for 14s, 15s, 16s, and 17s. And then it was my 17s year that I made the U18 team. So they usually pick from the 16, 17s group. And now they have like a top 66 of that combo. Hmm. I'm pretty sure I could be wrong, Hmm. (laughs) but, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's changed over the years, but that's the pool that they bring for the U18 team. So I did those camps all four years and, um, that's kind of where I was picked up from the national team, I would assume, and from playing in Naha because they get to see you more there. How did you balance that year then the U18, um, Um, and then also with your, your, your last year at Naha? Yeah, it's you just go for camps throughout okay. the year, similar to how it is now with the national team. Okay. Um, so we would have a fall, like we had a fall series, a three-game series against Canada. Um, we played in Calgary, actually. And then from there, they kind of keep an eye on you throughout the year. And then you, and I think we got selected for um, that world championships that either that winter or the spring. And it was 2010. So it was, oh gosh, no, it would have been, yeah, it was 2010. So they had their... Um, Olympic selections Olympic going area. on at the same time. So that was pretty cool for us, like watching that and seeing all that going on at our same camp. Um, and then we went to Worlds from there. Finishing up at Naha, what were you thinking in terms of school and college play after that? Um, I, I, uh, I definitely had a few different ideas at different points. I thought I was definitely going one direction and then another. Um, obviously you're pretty young when you make those, those decisions. I decided to, was it my junior year? It was into my end of my junior year that I decided to go to Duluth and, uh, yeah, I was, uh, Oh, so the decision came in your junior year. Yeah. The end of my junior year, I think I verbally committed. How many offers um, did you have or like what schools were you looking at? My, it came down to Harvard and Duluth. So I know come very different spectrums when it comes to, you know, like a school, but, um, and just the place in Boston versus Minnesota, um, financially, there were some things that hoops I was trying to go through, um, to figure out Harvard because they don't offer full rides, um, for, um, uh, athletic scholarships. And, um, whereas you had one with UMD. Yep. And I didn't want to, you know, it, at that point I didn't want to get my parents involved and there was just decisions that I made very young and, but I, I'm so grateful for my experience at Duluth and you can never say, I wish I would have made another decision. I'm cause the, just the life skills and, and things I've learned at Duluth and, and being coached by Shannon was an unbelievable experience. So once again, you find yourself on the move this time to Duluth. Talk to me about that first year entering into college, uh, you know, new city, new coach, new team, new systems, um, different stage of life as well. Mm-hmm. You're entering post-secondary education is, and that's also the education piece is a bit tougher 
than high school. Um, So what were all those adjustments like for you? I was really looking forward to university, you know, for the education part of it too. And I didn't know, I I did change my major throughout. So what did you um, go in with? I went in with exercise science. Okay. And I actually wish I would have, <laughs> I, at this point with what, the things that I'm interested in doing, I wish I would have held on to that, but, um, I went into communications as well. So, um, or like, that's what I ended up going into after my freshman year, but, um, I loved it. I, I loved the atmosphere at Duluth, awesome hockey town, college town, everything that I loved about my experience and what I was looking for in college definitely was at Minnesota Duluth. And, um, we were the first year to be at the new Amsoil arena too. So just the amenities and every, the rink and, um, our home base was so much fun. It was just an awesome place to be. What was your role in the first year for you on the team? Um, I definitely had a big role coming into it and I learned a lot. I didn't always stay in the top two lines and, and, uh, I definitely was in a position to earn my place there and to be rewarded for it. So those are, those are things I learned so much like with hockey and school. And, um, one thing that Shannon did really well was teaching us, you know, bridging that gap from, from college and high school into the real world. And, uh, yeah, I learned, I learned so much and, um, uh, through hockey too, and not just from schooling. So being able to have the opportunity to, to have a role on the team and then also like being humbled by the people and the peers that you're around was like such a, such an eye opener and, you know, at that next level. And it just like keeps pushing you to, to keep pushing your goals and to keep getting better. So um, yeah, I learned a ton that first year, a ton, <laughs> some things I can't talk about on this podcast, but yes, I learned a lot. <laughs> How about from the, from the standpoint of on ice play, um, what did you feel was the biggest learning curve for you? Probably the game itself, just learning so much about the game at Naha. We had such a talented team and, um, you know, in college, there's that much more detail, that much um, more to compete against on every single weekend. The, the, the preparation that went into every single weekend was specific when it comes to video, knowing, knowing our systems and all of that, like it was very detailed and it was, um, I learned a ton about the game in those first years, especially, but, um, every year past that, there's just, there was so much to learn and, you know, even coaching and doing that part of the thing on the side, every year you learn more and more about the game and you pick up from different coaches. But, um, that transitional year going into college and, and learning was huge, um, about the game. I think that was the biggest thing in the preparation that goes into every weekend at that level. Looking back on your four years at UMD, what part of your game developed the most for you though, in that time, whether physical or mental? I'd say mentally. Yeah. Yeah. Mentally. Um, I'd, I'd say I've fine-tuned some of the things. I've Maybe I was a little more raw going into college and uh, just learning about the game, poise with the puck, uh, reading plays, and just finding what skills, maybe what skill sets for me that I can bring forth and, and kind of honing in on some of the things that I've, I've found out about myself. Um, but the mental part of the game is probably the biggest and reading your teammates. And I think those are the intangibles with the game that are hard. You know, everyone can work on skills. You can always work on your skills, but the mental side of the game is, is absolutely a game changer. Um, and I learned a lot about that with the national team too. So yeah, just the next level, it it becomes more of a mental thing than anything. Did you start to feel comfortable with what type of player you became? whether you're a playmaker, a scorer, um, two-way defense, like, you know, two-way player. Mm-hmm. Um, when did you start to feel comfortable with who you, what type of player you were? Um, it's hard. It's hard to say. I'd say my, my senior year in college, I felt like I really came into my own, I guess. Okay. Um, I, I think I was about even with goals and assist my senior year. But um, after that, I felt like even last year in China, it just depends on who you're playing with. But I've, I love being a, I love being a playmaker and a two-way player. 
Um, I definitely did more of that last year and this year than I did scoring, but it just really depends on the situation. And, and I've been able to play with some phenomenal players around me. So it's just learning, feeding off of them and, and seeing what role you fit in with these other stars that I've been able to play with. So, um, it's, and I've learned a ton from them as well, playing with Johnny and and Dex this year. And with Kelly stack last year, we had a very, um, very unique chemistry. So, and, and again, two different types of, you know, styles of players, but you kind of figure it out based on the players that you're around and you just pick up little things along the way and kind of, it helps you figure things out about yourself too. So I'm gathering adaptability needs to be a pretty big attribute. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Because yeah, you're going to play with so many different, like mm-hmm. you were saying, the styles, but also yeah. the pace that people play at yeah. is different as well. And, and also without losing yourself, you know, you need to figure out, okay, these are my strengths. This is, this is what I have to bring to the table, but, um, finding the way to bring out the most in the people around you and, um, and figuring out how to bring the best, your best foot forward too. So it's finding that balance. You actually got a captaincy in your final year at UMD too, right? Yep, I did. What led to that? Uh, I, I guess it was, I, it was an assistant my junior year and I was a captain my senior year. And, um, you know, obviously you age out within college and you learn a ton from freshman, sophomore, junior, and senior year. And, um, you know, bringing the experience I had with, with the help of my teammates and the support from them, I think I fell into that role. I think leading by example and, and really putting it in your actions is the best way you can lead. So I try to remind myself those types of things every day and be the best teammate I can be. So while you're going to school at UMD, what was also happening with the national program at that point? And were you still involved with them? No, I kind of, I wasn't with the national team there for a few years and it wasn't until my senior year I got invited back to, to winter camp. And uh, I went to winter camp, had an awesome camp. I got invited to the world championships and that was my first time um, playing for the senior national team at the world championships in Malmo, Sweden um, in 2015. And then, yeah, since then I've been, um, until this last Olympics, I got cut at Olympic selections before uh, Pyeongchang. Um, and then I got invited back again this year. So it's just been a roller coaster, but um, while I'm still playing, I'm trying to enjoy it and, uh, and make the most of every opportunity. So that 2015 World Championship, was your first experience with the senior team. And yeah, that's that's a huge accomplishment. How were you able to harbor those emotions and be the player that the team needed you to be? Um it was it was uh, it was unbelievable. I remember where I was and what I was doing and uh you know, the support crew I had at the time and um I was in Minnesota still when I got the phone call and it was like it was a very yeah, it was uh, something that I'll never forget for sure. Getting that first phone call to make the national team, and um, and especially being kind of my senior year in college and writing myself off almost um, for those kind of Olympic experiences and and national team experiences um, because my entire college career I wasn't really involved uh, with the with the U.S. national team, so. Um, yeah, it was like a new beginning. And from there, I kind of decided to move to Boston. I was trying to decide, all right, if I'm still playing, like that was the year that the NWHL started. So, um, there was a big group of us that, uh, at the time I was learning to with people trying to decide which leagues they were going in. So there was all that kind of thing going on and, um, and was a part of helping me make a decision from there versus going into a different career. So I decided to stick with hockey. Well, even within hockey, you had the choice between the CWHL, the NWHL, playing mm-hmm. overseas in Europe. Yep. Um, That's what I was actually planning on on doing that until I got called from the national team, and then I thought I'd stick around here a little closer. <laughs> but, yeah. What were the first things that you noticed playing with the senior team, just with the girls and work ethic and speed of the game yeah it's it's another level it's it's um w- which is awesome you you see where the bar is set and you want to be a part of it and it just it, it's motivating I'd say the biggest thing is motivating um it it's humbling it 
you know, you, you got to know what you have to do to contribute. And, um, when you go home and your respective teams, you know what you have to put in to, to be able to contribute when you get back with that crew. So yeah, it was uh, really special to be a part of and, and continues to be. Being from Alaska, do you feel any pressure putting Alaska on the map? <laughs> no, I mean, we've already had, we've already had a couple of Carrie Weiland, and Pam Dreyer, um, some gals have played on the Olympic team, um, Torino, Italy, I believe for this generation, I guess I'm yeah. there, but it's, we've had some unbelievable athletes come out of Alaska. So it's, but it's, uh, it's special to be able to represent that state for sure. Anything else from the world championships that were highlights for you? No, I mean, just the travel itself, going to Malmo, Sweden was so cool. My sister and my mom came and um, we did a little, we did some traveling over to Copenhagen with the team and just being there for the first time, um, in Sweden with the national team and with the group we were with, it was, they were so welcoming and, um, made me feel part of the team right away. And, um, yeah, it was, it was a really cool trip. Definitely one to remember and we won. That was, <laughs> so it was, that's huge. yeah, prior and it was the year after they, uh, it was in 2015. So it was after Sochi. Um, to, so I wasn't at that Olympics, but for those girls who were there, that was huge. And, uh, to see the rivalry, to be a part of, um, that next level of rivalry with the U S and Canada was really eye opening and special. So how did those two years in Boston go for you playing with the pride and how did you evaluate the trajectory of your hockey, your Mm -hmm. hockey game? Well, (laughs) It was tricky because after my senior year uh, and making the national team, that summer I got a really bad concussion um, going into my first year with the Pride. Um, and it was at Beantown. It was a summer tournament that a bunch of us were doing and in Boston. And uh, it put me out for a couple months. And um, it was, honestly, it was like the hardest thing I've ever had to come back from. And um, so that year wasn't the the greatest for me, but I think I learned a lot through that time and, and to figure out a lot about myself, what was important and, um, what I needed to do to get back on track. And, um, yeah, we had, we still had an unbelievable year and that first year was a, a really special group and we won the Isabel cup. We won that first, um, NWHL title. And, uh, that was so much fun to be a part of. And then, I ended up, um, I went home in the summer in Alaska and got a little bit of, little bit of home away from the city life, but, um, I don't blame you. It was, <laughs> and, and being part of the national team group that was there, we had a huge group in Boston and it was kind of our home base for, um, where we were working out and we had been going through some changes with our staff and with the national team too. And those were th- things that happened throughout those two years, um, and then 2016 was um, still, I just, I didn't have like the best years personally. And I was in and out of the lineup with the national team as well. So, you know, trying to like keep that love for the game and, and finding your role and wherever that is, like with your with your pro team and with the national team and, and how to take care of yourself best to be able to do that. And um, <laughs> went through some struggles personally. So Um, but at the end of the day, I learned so much about myself and, and was thankful for some really good teammates. And, um, at the same time I was coaching at Merrimack, I was volunteer coaching with Casey Bellamy and Aaron Hamlin, Brent Hill. And and those were people that, uh, had an impact on me. And I also lived with Mike Boyle and my first year. And then, uh, Hillary Knight was my roommate second year, but, um, just really great people to have around and to kind of help me through some of the times that were really hard hockey wise and personally. And, uh, yeah, at, at the end of the day, like now I'm so glad I stuck with it because I'm having so much fun in the game again and, um, finding where I can have the best impact. Well, and you were talking about it earlier where you had to deal with a roller coaster of emotions, really, uh, of being with the national program. Are you going to make this team? Are you not? Mm-hmm. How, 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 how am I doing on the ice um, personally? Um, yeah, and a younger Zoe Hickel who hasn't been through that much life experience as uh, the current Zoe Hickel. Um, 
it's a big deal at that time. Yeah. And so what did you learn from those experiences or how did you learn to manage? Yeah. Like even your emotions and just the, the distractions that come from the political side of things and, uh, yeah, there's so much that you can't control, right? You know, you, you yeah. can't control what the coaches think. You can't control what other people are thinking. You can't control the refs. You can't control. There's so much you can't control. So I think finding what you can control is the biggest thing. Um, that second year, too, we got cut funding with the NWHL. Mm. Um, financially, I was in a really tough position trying to afford my lifestyle in Boston. Um, and then that 2000, after 2016, we kind of dealt with that boycott with the national team too. So we can get paid by USA hockey and, um, to have some more support to be able to afford to play and, uh, and be full-time athletes and really be at the highest level we can for, for the national team. So, um, those were all things that I was going through at that time and just trying to make ends meet and, you know, figure out, Hey, like if I'm, if I'm on the bubble, is this some, is this the lifestyle that I want right now? Like making those life decisions on which direction I wanted to go. So, um, when I got cut from the Olympic team, um, May of 2017, it was, uh, I kind of hit one of those roadblocks again, where it's like, all right, what direction are we going? And that's when I decided to go to China. (laughs) And you didn't want to return to the NWHL at that time. No, um, I was ready to do something different. I had thought about maybe going back to school even. And then I got a message from one of the coaches from China. And I, at first I didn't really think it was real or legit. It was something yeah. new. It was something, you know, you just don't know what's going on. And, uh, and then just got talking to them more. And I was in a position in my life where I'm like, Hey, I can go here. It's, um, you know, we were getting paid to to do that too. And, uh, I was like, shoot, might as well, like, while I'm young, while I can still do it, why not? And, uh, I'm so glad I did. It definitely changed. It changed a lot for me. Would you consider that a turning point? Yep. Absolutely. hundred percent. Because it's, uh, you know, like obviously being cut from, from that Olympic team was, even though I had been out of the lineup, I didn't really know what to expect. Like it was just, I didn't want that to be the end of my career, my hockey career, and I didn't really want to end on that note, and I I felt like my time wasn't really up yet to be done, so I'm really glad I stuck with it because absolutely fell in love with the game again when I went back to China and just brought a new perspective on life and, and other things that are important and finding that balance and more experience, like you say. Did you know Kelly Stack was going to be on the team before you made that decision to go to KRS? We talked about it together. Okay. Yeah. So we both were in similar positions with her getting cut from that team too. And uh, they reached out to us and, and it was something that we, we really decided on together. Like, okay, let's, we're in this together. Okay. So it was, and I'm so glad I did. She was, we were pretty much inseparable the entire time. We're line mates and roommates and besties. So yeah, we, uh, we had a very special chemistry and friendship and, uh, went through a lot together in China, but at least we had each other. Yeah, you had a so. travel buddy, right? Yeah. No, it was awesome. It was really, really cool. Your first impression when you first got off the plane. In China? Yeah. Um, this just, uh, it smelled different. <laughs> That's the first thing I can think of. I don't know. The first, I'm like, it just, yeah. Different air. For sure. Thicker. It was a little thicker, yeah. <laughs> it was also in Hong Kong and Shenzhen, so it was southern hemisphere. I was in, or southern climate. I had, I didn't realize how humid and hot it would be there until I got there. Yeah, and it was like the sun was shining, but you couldn't see the sun at all. Yeah, it wasn't too bad in Shenzhen. Beijing was like that. Okay, what kind of accommodation did you did you live in with Kelly? Uh, they had a building. They basically had an apartment building for us, for okay. for all the players and for some of the staff. And uh, yeah, that's where we lived. We could walk or bike to the rink. It was, yeah, it was great. It was great accommodations. We had a full-time uh, a cook and that would do breakfast, lunch, and dinner. They had snacks available. I was going to ask you about that. Who had to yeah. come? But you had someone already We had someone there, yeah. And you can like go to Sam's Club or some of the grocery stores they have very different things in their grocery stores obviously more towards that climate but i have countless stories of of my time there but um 
no, I got used to the food more and more. And I also worked with the chef quite a bit and Kelly and I did too. And he doesn't know a lick of English, but we became really close and, and, uh, built a relationship with him. And when we were back this last time, I got to go say hello to him and he made me up dumplings and because I love dumplings, you know, then they would make them. That was probably my favorite food in China. (laughs) That's what I was going to ask you. What was your favorite food that you had never tried before, but you grew fond of? dumplings not that kind of yeah they're just different you know they're 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 not like the dumplings they're not like the gyoza that you would get here yeah yeah but okay what did you you try over there that you're like um gosh i I tried a lot of different things but one thing i tried that i didn't really care for was the silkworms those little those bugs and i would do chinese barbecue no yeah not, no that was probably the most extreme thing i tried um <laughs> no but other than that i i would try as much as i could i'm allergic to peanuts and soy so those were two things that um i really had to be aware of but i survived china so they, yeah they use those products quite <laughs> all frequently. the time yep in okay. a lot of stuff but yeah the the dumplings are unbelievable some of the things that they would put in them i couldn't believe like corn and like the shrimp ones or like the soup dumplings never mm. tried that here in the u.s but it was good i i liked the food and i didn't mind it what was the integration like with the team because half like what percentage of it were of chinese speaking players um, it was about half and half. So half and half. when I went, there was those two teams. There was KRS and there was Vancouver's. And um, each team was basically split of the Chinese nationals, the national team players from China. And then the rest were um, a combo of uh, Chinese North American players, but also those of us just from North America. So we could have six imports. And I think, you know, they found a way to to get the Chinese North American players over there too. But it was about half and half of the, the native Chinese girls versus the North American Chinese or the North American players. So what was the communication like within the team on the ice? It was a challenge. It was. Oh yeah. Big time. Um, our coaches would speak and then let our assistant coach soon race. would speak in Chinese in the best way that she could translate it. But she's, you know, their English was probably better than our Chinese, but at the same time, it's, it was really hard to communicate. And, um, but we found, we found a way and we built those girls. I absolutely adore. They're some of the best people and they're people I would want to keep in touch with for my whole life. They're just such good people and they're really open to learning and it's so different, but you realize that you have something in common that can bring you together. And it was really, really special and so rewarding. (laughs) Was your mindset a bit different though, being, I guess, labeled a hockey ambassador versus a hockey player while you're over there? Yeah. Uh, Going over there and basically the focus wasn't on me. It wasn't on, it wasn't like going to Boston trying to figure out, you know, where like I really was focused on myself and like what I needed to do to make the national team and to figure those things out. But I think having the focus on the Chinese and knowing what my role was going to be there, it was about them. And of course, like we got to play hockey and we still wanted to lead and um, make the most of our opportunity to do well in the league. But the main focus was about them. And I think having that mindset going in there really brought perspective and it was it made it fun it just like I said I fell in love with the game again in a different way and I think it's because you're part of something that's bigger than you and you realize the impact you can have on these girls and and a different culture and I think it was really special I was gonna say I had a chance to watch you play over there and it really translated to like you and Kelly just look like you were just the game looks so easy to you guys. <laughs> I wouldn't say that. Well, it did. when We well, had a lot of fun together, yeah. I just remember the Inferno being on a penalty kill, and like I was just holding my breath for the entire two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> it was that stressful. Oh, but, I mean, it was thanks. like a great season for you. You led the league in assists, and like that, I think that's proof of that. Like you just let a lot of your pressure that you're being put on yourself or maybe pressure that other people outside factors had put on you. And you were able to, you know, play a completely uh, new game for yourself and, and almost redefine yourself. Right. Yeah. Way. I could see that. Yeah. yeah. You actually had a chance to bring 
the KRS team back to Alaska, right? Yes, I did. It was so cool. When was that? Like, was that mid-season, after the season? No, it was mid-season. So it was after our, our uh, winter break. And then we had, um, basically, we would have been in Toronto for like three weeks because we didn't have our first game until maybe like the January 17th or something. And so... I proposed something to the league and to the team, and I said, hey, if we're going to have to be together for this amount of time in Toronto, I found out how much it costs. I put together a budget for what we could do. We got some awesome sponsors from Alaska to help out the team. Um, Everyone flew into Anchorage. We stayed there for about a week, and then we went to Toronto and stayed there for only two weeks (laughs) instead of three. And it was, it obviously meant the world to me to be able to share that with my girls. And uh, we had a game at my local rink, absolutely filled the place. It was such a great community atmosphere. And um, man, I would just, I would love to do something like that again, or to even have satellite deals where we can put events on where people are from to have, um, just to share the exposure, no one from the little girls in Alaska have never seen a professional, you know, professional team. Hmm. And we put together a team of local Alaskans of, of alumni of UAA and aces and, and some girls that played in college and just like a mixed, mixed bag really of local Alaskans. And they played us. And I think it was like seven to six the score was we won heated battle yeah it was really fun it was great for the fans it was great for us it was a little tune-up game before we played you know you go for about a month or so without playing any game so and to be able to share that experience and we brought them out to Alaska and the mountains and um, the girls had such a good time and and I did too. And we had so much support. We met with the governor and it was a really, really cool time. So it turned out way better than you had even imagined. It was. It was, It went as well, if not better than we had planned. And my mom, I have to give her a lot of credit because she knows how to put an event together and she she really made it happen. But we saved a ton of money even going there for that week. And so... Um, Shout out to Mama Hickle. Yeah. Being able to propose that to... Um, to them since we already had to be on the road and when it was accepted I was thrilled and when it went as well as it did it was even better so it was really cool (laughs) tell me about the story about how you got your dog from China Nycha 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 yeah she's um it means milk tea like that's right yeah I was gonna ask you about that who came up with that name one of my teammates (laughs) yeah jewelry Mia we call her Um, she says she's brown, like Nycha, like, like, ah. like bubble tea, milk tea. Absolutely. And we would always, the, yeah, bubble tea over there is obviously a very popular yes. thing to have. So, um, But it was on our commute walk from the hotel or from our apartments to the rink. And uh, there was a dog there at one of the construction sites. And she, um, that was the original mama, but she was a puppy. She was Nycha's age when we first got there. And the guy who owned it kind of had talked to us about taking her. It was like he could only keep the, her there for so long with all the construction. And um, we're like, okay, well, like, we'll wait. You know, we have to wait till the end of the year. We can't take her now. And just at the same time trying to figure it all out. And Kelly had adopted dogs from Sochi. So oh. she was helping me trying to, you know, make this happen and how we would do it and so she planted the seed communing yeah communicating with yeah oh yeah (laughs) she is the biggest dog lover i know um and just uh uh, figuring out how to communicate how we would take care of it how we would get vaccinations so we did all of that to try to to try to figure it out for her and we came back after christmas break and she was one's eye the dog it was there she was pregnant we were like oh my god this poor dog isn't even a year old and she's pregnant now with babies and then on february 20th the day we got back from bali he i had him on wechat and he starts sending me pictures of her babies and we couldn't believe it we're like oh my gosh she's already having them um and then yeah and then that was nycha's birthday oh my god it was february 20th and we from there we figured out okay well i guess we can try to adopt some of the puppies and Wanzai at that point, like she's, I was going to try to bring her and Nycha, um, but she, I feel like she had just been through so much and she's skittish and maybe hard to tame at that point. But uh, yeah, we ended up adopting the babies three months later when we were back 
and, um, got all their vaccines, everything that they needed, got them quarantined, um, went through so many hoops to figure out how, where to go to get the right paperwork, your import export permits, all, all of the things had to change flights because certain airlines only accept them under the seat or they don't accept it at for a certain date to fly under Mm. for baggage. Like, Oh my gosh, it was, it was pretty crazy, but I'm happy that, um, the girls now have even adopted more dogs and she's had another litter of puppies since then. And so, (laughs) yeah, I feel so bad for Wansai, but, um, it sounds like the girls have been doing more to help out the dogs and it's continued and things are a lot easier for them now to, to get the paperwork they need and everything's gone smoothly from what it sounds like. So that makes me really happy. That's a cool story. (laughs) And now I brought Nyjah with me. We drove down from Alaska when we came down in September, but uh, she ended up going back home with the other dogs at my mom's place. So she has her with Scout and Ella, the golden and chocolate lab. And um, they go up to the mountains every day and and run around but she's adjusting to the alaskan air she she is i really <laughs> miss her here but i know she's happy there with the other dogs i don't have a buddy for her right now here so we're trying to figure that out just quickly going back to the hockey scene in china you've now seen i guess the national program of the chinese and you've also been a part of the american national program what do you think are the major differences or what what gaps are there that could develop their their players into um, elite athletes like mm-hmm. Canada and the U.S. have? Uh, I think the culture is a big deal um, because obviously China doesn't have a huge history and strong culture with hockey. And so they've definitely figured things out in other sports. I think there still are, are a lot of things that and a lot of changes they need to make happen to in order to build to that. But I would say the numbers, which they have numbers in China, um, but not necessarily in hockey. So that was part of our initiation to try to make that happen and try to grow the sport. Um, with the NHL being over there, I think it's a, it's a really big deal. Even the games that we would have, we'd have like three to 5,000 people at our games in China. We have more fans there than we yeah. do in North America. Yeah. Um, so who knows? Who knows where it could boom and, and how much the, the sport can grow. But it's... Um, the rivalries, the history that we have in North America is just, uh, it's pretty strong. And, and that's why we were hired to go over there and help share those, those culture, a lot of its culture, you know, trying to share like the necessities of what you need to do to be an elite athlete, but at the same time, understand maybe their backgrounds and, um, how they look at sport and, and even when it comes to nutrition and food and, not just telling them they have to eat veggies and rice and chicken every day, but like trying to find a way that they can bring their culture into the sport without completely changing how they live. Mm, totally. Um, so those kind of things were big challenges. But, um, you know, I think if it's approached in the right way, then they're, they're open and they want to they keep getting better. And um, I think if they have more numbers and more higher level of, of athlete continuing to push and competing against each other because there's just a small pool of them right now so they don't really understand what it means to fight for a spot on a team and I think over the past couple of years it's been more and more um there's been more awareness to that and it can only get better so really time it really is time yeah, yeah. it's time and education and um but it, I'm mean, <laughs> just seeing the support we have from the fans not that they really know a whole lot a whole lot of of what's going on but that's part of the education piece of it too hey they'll cheer for two minutes for body breaking (laughs) (laughs) or an icing you know it's like yeah and so they would have they would have um on the jumbotron like the refs signals and what's going on so they because you don't know offsides and icing they don't know what's going on they just but they cheer as soon as you come into the D zone or get it or get it out of the D zone and you're in the offensive zone. And it was just cool to see like this culture, like picking up on this sport because it's so different for them. But and then you have like an Asian Evan Lysacek just doing a long program in between the second and oh, third yeah. periods. Yep. <laughs> but when I was over there, I was actually with Rebecca Michaels from the CWHL mm-hmm. and the running joke was that, 
you know, everyone was learning the game. Everyone was learning yeah. the game, including not just players, but also communications people, people running the game, um, even the ice crew. You know? Yep, the ice there crew was, timeouts. <laughs> I remember looking over at Rebecca one time, and it was like the the one guy. She was shaking her head and was like, "That guy should not be on skates. Like it's like." Mm-hmm. They... <laughs> I know, but it's awesome. <laughs> at the same time, exactly, it's a beautiful thing because that's really grassroots. It is grassroots. Yeah. So that's pretty cool to watch. Yeah. Yeah. And be a part of. Very cool to be a part of. Yeah. So finishing up that year at Shenzhen, what were you thinking at that point? And were you open to returning uh, back to play at China? Like what was going on there? Um, Yeah. I had some thoughts about that. I think a big thing that I wanted to do is play with my sister. We were in a position where, you know, she's kind of she's looking to move on with her life and we just, you don't know how many years you have to be in a position to play together, especially professionally. Um, and at this age when, you know, you're in your twenties and you can, we played together one year in high school, but it's just so much different. Like it's not the same. (laughs) Um, so to have the opportunity to play together and live together and we have been separated over the winter since, you know, since I went to school in Minnesota, so it's been it's been quite a few years that we haven't got to see each other much over the over the year, and um, we're very close. So we thought it'd be a really cool opportunity to do that, and um, we looked into a couple different things, including China. But Calgary was it seemed like a perfect opportunity to do that and a little closer to home and fit our lifestyle. So the mountains were calling yeah. your name, were they? Yeah, they were. <laughs> Canadian Rockies. Yeah, it's beautiful here. Yeah, um, you're back on North American soil. Not quite the U.S., but yeah, uh, still part of the CWHL. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, and then coming into this group of extremely talented girls. Yeah. Um, obviously, with the Olympic year being last year, um, it was just a, it was a little different feel. And then this year, uh, lo- really looking forward to being a part of that crew and seeing where you fit in and and how you can contribute and. Um, being able to play with some of the best players and against the best players and um, knowing that that was going to be the level of play and the stage to be a part of. It was, uh, it was an, it's a new challenge. And knowing the team that we had going into it too, it was pretty exciting. It was a pretty cool feel. Was it hard to switch your mindset back to focusing on your individual play? Because you had talked about how when you're over in China, it was all about the program, growing mm-hmm. the game, bigger picture. And now it was back to more of a, a micro a micro focus on yeah. how Zoe Hickel's doing. And, and yeah, I think I learned a lot in China and just took more of that mindset to this year too. And just being able to have fun with my sister. I wasn't invited back to the U.S. until winter camp still. So it's not like, it's not like I knew that I was going to be a part of the program. I said, okay, I'm going to take this year to see where I fit. If I get invited back into the national team program, that's, you know, awesome. If I don't, I'm going to finish having a great year in Calgary with my sister and and that'll be that. Yeah. I'm just taking one year at a time. (laughs) Well, thankfully the national team came calling again. You got to play in the rivalry series. Yep. Yeah. It was awesome. And at the same time, you're also reunited with Coach Shannon Miller. Mm-hmm. Yeah, unfortunately, she had to step down partway through the season. But generally speaking, you know, what was what was your mindset like trying to push through the distraction of a coaching change partway through a season? Yeah, I mean, Shannon was was definitely a big reason of me coming here to to Calgary. Um, I was really excited to play for her again and um, to see you know what she could do with a team like this, but. Yeah, obviously we went through some stuff and um I think the team itself was is a really good team and we found a way to uh we definitely went through some things internally and figuring out, you know, the next steps moving forward and I think people picked up pieces where they needed to and at the end of the day we were able to figure it out for Clarkson Cup. So um in hindsight, it's uh yeah, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to tell what could have happened or what would have happened. But, um, at the end of the day, we were able to make it, make it happen with what we had, I think, cause we had such a, such a good team. <laughs> well, as soon as you hit the ice, you just have to do such a good job of pushing all that baggage to the side. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That, for sure. And, um, our coaching staff had to pick up 
a lot and things that they weren't necessarily prepared to do and um, were ready for. But uh, we, you got to give them credit for doing everything that they could to to make ends meet. And then you had a chance to go back to China, but on a different side mm-hmm. as you were part of the visiting locker room now. Yeah. Did you yeah, go to the wrong, wrong locker room? <laughs> no. No, but it was really fun being there. It really made me happy. Like I was the happiest little human. And um, to share it with my sister, to show her my daily routine, like I couldn't believe that I had lived there. And uh, she finally got to see what that was like. And I went over to the old apartments and got to see some of the staff and and those people and, and the girls. So it was really, really cool to be back there um, in a different jersey and on the other team, but at the same time felt so welcomed and, um, yeah, it made me happy to be there. Did you do all the touristy stuff with all the girls? Yeah, we, yeah. we hit up the markets and did the oil painting village, did the botanical gardens. It was, I got to do some things that I never got to do while I was living there. So it was a cool perspective on that, in that sense too. So it was a pretty good year for you. You made the CWHL all-star game. Uh, you played in the Clarkson cup, and you scored two goals as well, which is crazy because I, again, assume that you're more of a pass-first player. Yeah. And here you are just lighting the lamp, just pulling out your Ovechkin, <laughs> double shifting. No. no. <laughs> uh, Thoughts from the big game? Yeah, it was. I definitely had some deja vu that day being same place, same locker room, same color. It's like, oh my gosh, this is so weird. But it was uh it was a different feel with a new team and um ton of confidence with our group going into that game and and really knowing that we're playing against Montreal, which is the best competition that we can have and being at the highest level for the best game of the year, like it was an honor to play in that game against Montreal because it's just you know it's gonna be the best hockey that you can play and whoever wins is gonna feel feel really good (laughs) but when did you know that Poulin wasn't playing yeah that that was a big piece of it for them too um we didn't know till the day of obviously she was dressed we didn't know like obviously we had assumed that she probably wouldn't with the injury she had but um you just never know but either way we were focused on what we needed to do whether she was in the in the lineup or not didn't matter well it just you have to be aware of who you're playing against and sure. do your homework. But um, at that point, we just really needed to focus on what we can, what we need, what we needed to do for that day. But it was, it didn't go without notice that she wasn't playing. So um, she's obviously has a huge impact on the ice, no matter what. <laughs> Even if she's fifty percent, I'm sure she would have uh, have quite the impact. And second consecutive Clarkson Cup final for you, like you had mentioned before, but. Was it any less nerve-wracking, or was it, again, a different feel? No, it, and honestly, being there before, it, I, felt, I felt really good about my experience there last year and um, not getting, like, too amped up about it. I mean, the fact that we were on Sportsnet here in Canada and on NHL Network in the States is huge um, on a big stage and, and for something on the line as big as the Clarkson Cup. Like, you can get yourself pretty amped up if you start thinking that way but no I just I, I felt like we were playing spike ball before the game we felt loose we felt we were having fun um and just had confidence going into that game and uh yeah that it turned out that I had the a couple goals that game but it was uh the chips kind of fall where they may and when you play with great players like Dex and Johnny and even Case and Goose um back on defense um you just do whatever you can to make it happen on, on those kind of days. So it was, it was pretty cool. I never had a chance to ask anyone this yet, but who was the m- most competitive spike ball player? <laughs> um, I definitely have to put myself in the mix, but <laughs> Annie Belanger really is um, Don't quite mess the with player. Annie. Yep. She's uh she's, she'll be, she's just a hammer over there. <laughs> she absolutely crushes it yeah she puts in the most uh blood sweat and tears her and casey i would say her and casey casey's got bruised knees for life um because she also was a baseball player or softball softball that's right yeah and um yeah she'll she doesn't let the ball touch the ground ever favorite thing in calgary Mm. what have you enjoyed doing the most here 
fishing. Fishing. No, the fishing can't be that good. <laughs> the here. Bow River is pretty cool. The fact that that thing goes through the city, I'm like very impressed by that. Yeah, first it's good of all. until it floods. <laughs> I've been on some. Closed. Oh, I know. Um, my sister and I have gone on some really pretty hikes uh, out by Banff, east end of Rundle, was probably our favorite one earlier this year. That's right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just I I love that I can. It's ten minute drive into town. You know, half an hour to an hour to the mountains. It's it's absolutely gorgeous here. Is it what a Anchorage is like too? Yeah, sim- similar feel. Similar? A little bigger okay. scale, but very okay. similar. Yep, for sure. Before we wrap up here, I want to quickly shout out Zoprozone. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a company you've started. And um, tell us a little bit more about that. Um, yeah, it's something that I started based on my passions. I've been uh, doing off-ice training and personal coaching when I'm at home and um, just as kind of a side hustle that I that's part of my passion with hockey and, and training. So it's something as a side business I've started up. I started up last year like for Zopro and then um, and started an Instagram account, the Zopro Zone. And um yeah, I, I've been slacking quite a bit this last couple of months just with how busy it's gotten with hockey and um, in our season, but uh, really looking forward to doing more over the summer and getting back to programming and, and offering some, some different programs uh, across the board for athletes or adults and, and even on-ice training, off-ice training and that kind of thing. So I'm excited to see what the next thing is for Zopro. That's awesome. <laughs> So make sure you check out Zopro Zone, Zickle. Um, <laughs> any other final shout outs? No, just got a shout out to my sister for putting up with me as a roomie this year. <laughs> that was exciting. Yeah. No, we, we've, had, was we've had a really, really special year together. Thankful for, for a really good year, a good season, and um, excited to see what's around the corner. Thanks for joining me today on Story Island, Zoe. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of Reading the Play. For more content, don't forget to hit that subscribe button and you can also download other episodes at sportcalgary.ca. Be sure to check out the Facebook page Reading the Play and to stay up to date on the latest RTP news including new episodes, be sure to follow on Instagram at Reading the Play and myself, Jeremy Lee at Legacy. Make sure you check out Zopro Zone as well on Instagram. She's got some great stuff going on. Zoe's got this 30 for 30 online program 30 minutes of exercise for 30 days it's available on the zopro app in the app store you can also access it online so if you want to be able to climb a mountain like zoe definitely check out zopro zone for some great workout routines nutritional ideas and tips on how to live a better life i really hope there's a piece of zoe's story that impacts inspires and ignites you to help you win your day and as always i'll catch you in the next episode